Here we are back again, Sports Meets Beer Podcast, episode 40, part three. Part three. Part three, man. Part three. Episode 40. Yeah, number 40. Uh, if you have missed our two other episodes uh, or two other segments of this episode, uh, you missed us talking about some sports. It's about the Warriors, specifically the Warriors-Kings game. Beer. We talked about some beer. We did. That was part two. Uh, We talked about beer. We did a 40-ounce taste challenge, which I didn't fare so well in. I went in there puffing my chest out like I was going to slay it. One out of three. Yeah. You You didn't really puff your chest out. It's more like an enlarged heart from all the pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yes, we did that. uh, Those two things on those episodes. Check it out if you can. We also had a dedication, Mr. Gail Sayers. Dedicated this whole week. The whole week. And uh, if you haven't heard of that, well, what this is about, uh, we'll do a quick rundown. This show, by the way, Brad Barmore sitting across the table from me. I'm Ben Perry. We uh, we dedicate an athlete every week to our episodes. Uh, we, we find someone who's been retired or Hall of Fame uh, who wore that jersey the best, who's, who performed the best in that number. A, rev- a revolutionary in yes. his position. Revolutionary. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so that's what we do. Uh, you know, in this this uh, show, obviously, Sports Meets Beer podcast, uh, we talk about sports, we talk about food, and we drink a lot of beer while we talk about sports and food. Right. Follow me? Perfect. I'm with you. All right. Um, yeah, that's really uh, that's really what we got. This segment of this week's episode, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some fish and chips. Fish and chips that Brad made with a beer batter from a beer that we picked up that we talked about the week before. Yeah. Draw the lines. Linear calculation comes out with some awesome fish causality. And chips. Talk about that, and also uh, since uh, Mr. Barmore here has opened many many restaurants, uh, we can go back and talk about uh, what things final list on Thrillist that we're going to go over and see if they're bullshit or not. Um, we'll also do a shit tweet of the week. Wrap this episode up, and hopefully you're smiling at the end of it, or not. It's, you know, <laughs> we can't tell either way. You're sleeping peacefully. There we go. Both of those things, I feel like, are desirable outcomes. Yes, either one. Who doesn't like sleeping peacefully? Nobody likes sleeping violently, no. I don't think. Well, I win last night. The wind was pretty Between dark. The wind, yeah. When the dog's throwing up, it was a rough night last night. Did you hear the thunder two nights ago? Yes. Bananas. Oh, anyways, here we go. Sports meets beer. Episode 40. Part do three. It, do it. Do it. All right, here we are, fish and chip talk on Sports Meets Beer Podcast. <laughs> um, so if you uh, if you guys listened to episode 39 last week uh, in our beer segment, we sampled the beer from the Danville Brewing Company. Uh, the, the, the folks over there uh, are kind enough to follow us now on social media. We had a little offline discussion. They, uh, they offered up uh, what we thought the best offering that we had from them for this project was their Dark Hearts, which is a really dark, roasty wheat ale. It was delicious. Uh, and so, you know, we whimsically in the in the episode mentioned, hey, this would make a really good fish and chip batter. Well, uh, B, uh, my job takes me around, and I was happened to be near Danville. I swooped in, grabbed another growler of it, brought it back to the restaurant, uh, the, the following day, <laughs> you're the only guy in America that says, I just happened to be near Danville. Most people are like, I had to get the fuck out of Danville. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we stopped. I stopped and dropped the growler off and uh, we got a video to go with this. So as soon as the uh, the uh, technicians are done editing it, 
when that's going to be. It'll be up soon, though. But, I mean, the, the experience overall, uh, other than the fact that we can get our camera cues better, we can work on those. Yeah. Which camera am I supposed to be looking at? <laughs> <laughs> well, the second camera was a, was a last-minute addition. Thanks, thank goodness Pickles was there to help us out <laughs> after his his traumatic oral surgery. But, uh, no, it was really he cool. He said I mean, oral. I did. The, uh, the cool part, I mean, you know, we, we did a test piece first. Um, you know, we want to, I'm not going to give so much away from the video, but you should definitely watch it because it's funny. But, um, we did the test piece first and it was, you know, it was, I mean, the fish inside it was cooked very well. Uh, the second go around though, I just felt like the batter was, it was so much crisper. It was really, it was just, it was on point. It was not really, really on point. And this is not your traditional uh, ling cod. No, it's, just, it's this Icelandic cod that we buy. And the main difference the main difference uh, from the first dip to the second dip uh, is that I let more of the batter, uh, I let more of the batter drip off before, um, before I dipped into the oil. So I didn't have nearly as much of that. It wasn't quite so thick, so I was able to kind of cook through a little bit cleaner. Gotcha. Because what uh, ultimately ends up happening is if you let it get too thick, or if you know if it's really thick, then like your batter will steam on the inside. That's essentially what cooks the fish, mm-hmm. right? Um, so if you let it get a little bit thinner, then it. You know, now you're it's still steaming to some degree, and it's just the general heat of the oil, but you get a little bit crispier on the outside. Gotcha. Well, I, I thought it uh, I thought it went really well. Uh, any takeaways from you that you want to drop in there, like the use of tongs versus your fingers? <laughs> um, no, not really. I've always done it with tongs, and I just the one time that that happened. Um, well, me personally, I would always use tongs because I don't want to get that hot oil near my finger at <laughs> all. Yeah. No, I'd use I. Uh, I think that um, maybe a white apron wasn't the way to go. That's the first thing that I noticed. Uh, the second thing is is we should probably mic up for that in the future somehow. And, okay. And, uh, and the third thing is is that when you they say... You just use one of these podcast mics and clip it to your... Yeah. Duct, duct tape it <laughs> to your d- chest just like... the side of my face like this. Like <laughs> Police Academy. Yeah. Mr. Microphone. Uh, and then... Um, and then... Uh, yeah, the mic up and then... You know when they say the, when they say the the camera adds a hundred pounds, it really I think that's that comes from somewhere apparently. <laughs> nice, <laughs> oh god! All right, well, um, check out that video that'll be up shortly. Uh, bigly, bigly, and shortly. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things uh, in 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 trolling through the the internet, uh, I found you know usually we we go back to Thrillist. They they put out some they put out a lot of content, so it's easy for us to pick and choose what we want to talk about on there, but. Uh, this was something that caught my eye. I'm not going to tell you where I was when I was saw this uh, this uh, this report, but um, it's the title of it is basically things only chefs notice in restaurants. And seeing as that my good friend and co-host Brad uh, has opened many restaurants, not only for yourself but also for your previous uh, employment, um, it's something that you noticed. And I, I kind of want to run through this list with you and tell me what you tell me what you think. All right, I'm in. Okay. Uh, and I believe this is in no particular order as far as uh, importance. Uh, but the first thing on there is light bulbs. Yeah, I, I, I noticed that immediately. It, really? dri- it drives me. Yeah, we have one at Kin that we've replaced the light bulb and the ballast on this one light fixture like five times. And it keeps going out. And we just keep struggling with it. Okay. Like we've replaced the whole light fixture. It's just this one outlet. But I walk in and it seeks my spine out if there are light bulbs that are out. Or like if you have a light bulb that's like not matched properly to like the... Like the like if you have recess lighting for example yeah and it's like hanging out or if like the can is like hanging that out one? yeah that's actually what made me think of it 
that one in my kitchen. Yeah. Um, I did the same thing where I keep fixing it, but because the heat from the light, it will, over time, it will thread out the piece that, it will right. unthread the nut that holds the recessed lighting portion in. Unbelievable. All right. I, yeah. do, I agree with you, too. One thing that drives me crazy, too, is when people go kind of on the cheap and they're using, um, they use different bulb, total bulbs. So, like, you have one regular bulb, one CFL. Or one CFL that's an off white and the other one that's like a bright white. Yeah. That, yeah, that's that, the one that gets me is the difference. It F's me up. Soft white, yeah. daylight, whatever. <laughs> Blue light, black light. Yeah. Um, how about uh how about pace of service? I don't think you need to be in a restaurant to to judge the pace of pace of service. Yeah, I don't think that that's I mean it's that's something that it's something that everybody notices. My food's taking too long to come out. I'm gonna complain. Or, yeah, that, you know, yeah, that's not whatever. You're, but I will say this on the on the back end of that. A good server will let you know if there's delays coming out of the kitchen. They'll come tell you ahead of time. Sorry, this is taking so long. Is there anything I could do in the meantime? Or or just it, like I, you don't even necessarily have to do that. We tell these guys all the time, like maintain the illusion of control. Right. Mm-hmm. So that it, so even when somebody walks in the front door and there's a two and a half hour wait and it's smoky in the restaurant because the hoods are out and you're, you know, your hypertense, your hypertense business partner has passed out on the floor with a heart attack. Uh, you know, that's the just the way it is. It's Friday. And you just kind of give everybody the idea, you know, the illusion that you're under control no matter what. And so even if there's something delayed in the kitchen or whatnot, I mean, unless somebody comes in like twice a week and they know typically how long something takes, just give them the, you know, just roll along and give them the impression and keep drinks coming and everybody will be fine. You yeah. can't, the second you start to give the impression that something's not right, is the second people start to pick the rest of the experience apart because yep. they start to worry if they're the ones that aren't going to get helped properly, right? So you well, have to maintain the illusion of control. That's human nature. There, well, how does it affect me? What about yeah, of me? course? What's in it for me, kind of thing? Yeah, of course. So uh, you know that one. Yes, chefs do notice that. And but what they what I think that's probably alluding to is not necessarily the, um, not necessarily like the oh this service is slow or whatever. It's more of the. Like they seem a little frantic right now. Gotcha. Now, that kind of thing. I think oh, is probably, okay. that probably means. Uh, what about water on the table? Well, you're not really supposed to do it in California, right? Um, unless it's requested. Correct. Um, I personally, as a, in our rest, we do it in our restaurants. We bring it out if you request it. We bring out a water bottle for everybody to share. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's fine. I think, uh, you know, I, I don't. <laughs> Personally, I'd rather only bring it if people request it because um, I'd rather them drink beer or cocktails or whatever. I would rather not give them the out. And also, I want to give them the opportunity to order because we offer Pellegrinos, Aquapanas, that kind of thing. Like, right. I'd rather give them the opportunity to order that than bring it out directly. I will say this. At one of my uh, dinner I had at when I was traveling in Arizona, uh, I was super thirsty. And I had my first, I mean, I literally pounded the first cup of water in, in no time. And the server, even though I requested two other times, just kept forgetting to, to refill the water. And granted, I was drinking beer as well, so and a cocktail after that, and then back to beer. But it doesn't matter. I was still wanting water, and I'd asked her, and finally, the, on the third time, I just gave up. And you know, it was just one of those things where, like, of course, we had the we had the worst server. Yeah, of course. So, what are you gonna do? Uh, what what about- is it? So, hold on. So, what does that website suggest? Is there like a little like? 
It's thing is, it's basically, it's just his opinion. He's just saying, or these are, I'm sorry, quotes from other chefs around about. Right, but what do uh, they say about the water thing? Basically, it's, I always notice water. Either I'd like water to be easily accessible, and if it's a quick spot, or I'd like it available for my server at the table. Nothing worse than being thirsty without water, and then being at the mercy of an eye, catching the eye of the server to get more. It's from Mr. Josh Culp. Honey butter fried chicken, Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I guess it's just an arbitrary statement. It's not necessarily. I mean, I, I get yeah. Everyone, if someone asks for water, they're going to want water. And if but that, you could say that about iced tea. You could say that about Diet Pepsi. You could say that about anything. Right. I mean, it's just you know the quality of beverage service in general. I think is really more what that's an indictment of. Yes. Uh, what about the bathrooms? Uh, they got to be clean. If I just spent three hundred dollars on dinner for my family of four, right? Uh, I don't want to walk in and see somebody shrapnel in the john. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's, I agree. I, in fact, it's one of the things I notice about every place I go to, whether it's a bar, restaurant, whatever, I always, always, always notice. Uh, and especially, I mean, that's something that I assume, I would be safe to assume that if the guy's bathroom is a certain condition, the woman's bathroom is probably in the similar. And Not from the people left behind, but from the, the people, the owners of the restaurant who have cleaned it or the cleaning service or whatever, however the bathrooms are getting cleaned. They're going to be similar at the start of service. Yeah, they, they, and, also, like women's bathrooms typically are dirtier than men's bathrooms, right. just in general. Like I've spent that's enough time. That's I'm not trying to be, you know, misogynist about this. I've spent enough time in restaurants, and I spent my time as a busser, and I did all those things. And the women's restrooms, for whatever reason, are always the more disgusting. I will agree with you, hundred yeah. percent. Even from the working at the grill, um, every time. I mean, it wasn't necessarily like human funk necessarily as much as they're just dirtier. It was just always a pickup, more pickup, more cleanup. Yeah. Gross. Um, it's probably the menstruation. <laughs> nice. It's the bears that get in there that smell the menstruation. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's obviously the bears. Um, yeah, there's, uh, I mean, there's basically saying that it should be, if it's a hole in the wall place, it should be, it should, it should be Lysol clean. And if it's expensive place, it should be insanely clean. It should smell like my friend, fancy friend's parents' powder room. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, and again, I don't think it's necessarily a chef thing. This is, this is more of a someone who's just aware who dines out a lot, probably. Yeah, and I but I also think that like, you know, chefs probably or you know restaurant restaurant probably feel the pressure of that because you're you don't want something as simple as like keeping the bathroom clean to devalue the caliber of what you put on the plate. Right. Right. And then usually, I mean, that's but that's the thing too. That's always the the the, the push pull from back of the house to front of the house. Same thing. Like the bathrooms can be great, great and clean and perfect. But if you're not putting good quality product out, it's not going to matter because yeah. no one's going to be there. Exactly. Uh, enthusiasm. It's <laughs> just—it's basically just saying looking for enthusiasm and confidence. You can feel it when you walk into a place. So when you, when you see confident and excited people working, they know they're in for a good time. Um, I think there's a difference between enthusiasm and pride here. Enthusiasm is the guy from Office Space. Hey, who wants some shrimp shooters, salad poppers, or, you know, that kind of... Pizza flingers. Yeah, whatever. Like, that's the kind of guy, when I hear enthusiasm, like, I think, like, TGI Friday's overload. Right. You want pride in what's putting out. You want, like, there's a hospitality, like, a level of hospitality. Like, you know, like, I don't want to sit down and have be like, oh, my God, you guys have got to try this. No, I want them to sit down and say, hey, listen, if you guys are, is this your first time? Yes, I highly recommend this item. We just put it out of the menu. You know, like, just put it on the menu. I had it for lunch yesterday. It's great. Like, I want that type of interaction. I, don't I love the question of, have you been, have you dined with us before? Have you been here before? Because it just shows a level of engagement. And I think that to me is the engagement 
backs on the on the backside of pride is far better than enthusiasm. But someone who's actually engaged with the guests, engaged with what's going on around them. We talk a lot when we do. To your point, we talk a lot when we do training about uh, the idea of service versus hospitality. We're in the hospitality industry, right? And this is an old Danny Meyer, but we're in the hospitality industry, not a service industry, right? The hospitality industry requires dialogue, where the service industry requires a monologue. This is the service I offer. Would you like it? Yes or no? Well, it's like oil change versus a server. Right. So, you know, the have you been in here before? Yes, we have. Cool. What have you guys had? You know, what are you guys thinking about tonight? Some from the bar. Like, you start the conversation that way. There's like a, there are, there's a playbook to that, but it really, you're able to sort of, you know, construct the experience for people based on their feedback, right? And right. if you're a good server, you're able to do that rather than just run through the usual gamut of like, you know, what would you would can I get you started with some drinks or whatever, right? Like that's such like a cliche thing. Like I, I hate hearing like cliche engagements. You know, can I get you started with some drinks? Can I get you started with an appetizer? No. Have you guys had a chance to look through the menu? Are there any questions I can answer for you? No. Okay. Awesome. Right. Are there any appetizers that are catching your eye? Can I tempt you with a dessert menu? Right? Is there something from the bar you feel like having this afternoon? Like, you know, whatever. Like, just like, don't make it the same robotic things, right? So, I think when they talk about enthusiasm, you see that a ton of times, though, I know that I know you, you do. I hate that, that crap. everywhere. I, and like, the thing is, like, I also am comfortable with the idea that like there is a certain amount of comfort for people when they hear like this is the normal, like this is the sort of the normal repartee with servers and whatnot. So, like, I know that there is some love. Like, people don't necessarily want to be fully engaged with the server. Right. Well, yeah, it depends on what they're doing too. But it, you know, to me, like the cat, the the basic questions, the very robotic, like that's reserve that for Applebee's, reserve that for mass chain dining. And I'm not. There's great. I've had great service in mass chain places. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not shitting on people that that work in those places. But I that, I do. That's where you. That's the common denominator in this whole thing. Is usually you see those kinds of simple questions. Any room for dessert, guys? Yeah, it's it's. It's noon. How many people order a fucking chocolate shake after only, their meal? It only takes one, though, man. I like, know. You got, the worst case scenario is that you, you know, the worst case scenario. But, like, that's why I like the question, like, can I tempt you with a dessert menu? Right? I prefer the, what's it going to take for you to order some dessert? Uh, yeah, right. Or <laughs> or the, I'm just going to go ahead and leave this right here. Yeah. Take it, if, take it or leave it. Whatever you want. I'm just putting it right here. Putting We're it right here. Just out talking. There. Yeah, exactly. Like, that kind of funny, like, that kind of stuff is fine. Because it's not really, like, a huge deviation. Right. You know, but I also, like, to that point, like, I want people to be proud of where they work, right? I'm proud of having put it together. Um, but I also, like, I also don't want you to, I, I don't want you to be rude or dismissive with people, but I also don't want, I don't want you to, like, encroach either. There is a difference. And I would argue that it's better to be on the side of, we, we, you know, we talk about mastering the 30-second relationship, right? Every time you visit the table, it's like a new relationship because yes. you've introduced a new dynamic into it. It's always progressed. Right? So now there's a burger in front of some, or, you know, now there's nothing in front of you. Now there's beer in front of you. Now there's a burger in front of you. Now there's, you know, so like each, there's a progression there. Yeah. And it's, you know, if you're good, you're able to get in, have a short conversation, make your silly joke or, you know, excuse yourself from the table and you're gone and you're on to the next thing and they're sort of half, you know, you know, sort of uh, reflecting on what you guys just talked about and then now they're into their own conversation and it's done and you've had these little mini relationships at each visit. Um, I'd prefer that than the strung out 30 minutes. I've been standing there talking about your kids, <clears throat> all those other things because now you, now if you're slow and it's the only table you have, that's one thing, but if you're, you know, if you're busy, like, why isn't this other table getting the same conversation? The, yeah, the same, same type treatment. of interaction. You know, yeah. it's funny. Um, there's, I always, there's a time and a place for that interaction, for that, you know, whether it's slow. Um, 
mean, obviously not when it's busy, but I prefer if someone's going to do that and start and start encroaching on the uh, more personal side. What are you guys doing in town? What's going on here? What's all that kind of more question and answer? I would prefer them to actually sit at the table with us. And I know that's a forward move, but I really enjoy like, okay, someone sits down. It means, but also not when you drop your entree. If I'm right. looking to eat, I mean, that's the wrong time to have that. Right. Either beforehand while it's, wait, while it's waiting to come out before the food's up on the window or after they're done. Yeah. No, and I think that's a great point, right? Because I want you to enjoy the food hot. Right. You know. As it was intended. Yeah. Uh, the next one kind of jumps into the same realm of enthusiasm and uh, in the water statement. Stressed out staffers. Yeah, maintain the illusion of control, people. Right. Calm uh, this down. chef says, I intentionally take a seat facing a wall so I don't spend the whole experience trying to ascertain why a person is in the weeds. That I can totally see it. And he's just trying to pick out if they're being inefficient uh, or something with going on in the kitchen that's slowing things down. Um, how about just come to grips with your own neuroses and pay attention to who you're fucking eating with? <laughs> what Christ, by themselves? How self-important can you be? Well, that comes from then. Andrew, do what you're really doing, and Andrew just, Graves, Tara, and Vine. Yeah, just do what you're really doing then, and just stay glued to your phone. <laughs> That's that. Calm down. <laughs> I've been actively trying to put the phone down during any kind of dining, albeit at home. Uh, by my, even if it's by my reading by myself, eating with the kids, the phone tries trying. It's from trying to keep it in the pocket. If I'm with my family, like if I'm with my family, the phone is in the pocket. But I do have like. Very specific sounds for if one of like five people calls me right. or texts me from you know one of the restaurants. Oh yeah, um, there's always exceptions, but the, from the most part, as long as you're not, I'm not scrolling through Instagram and ignoring my kids. Yeah, no, the phone goes away during those things. Um, how about smell? If it doesn't smell like food, it means they're cooking in bags too much. Well, the other thing I would say about that is uh, that has to do with the cleanliness of the restaurant, the cleanliness of the bar you're sitting at, and we've all been. You know, we've all been in that bar that has the funk, right? The oh, yeah. sugary soda syrup, you know. You know, there's the Sweat. fermenting limes that they didn't get they didn't get cleaned up behind the or spilled better yet, spilled lime juice that's underneath the bar mats because the bar's not getting mopped out every night. Yeah, exactly. Like all of that kind of stuff. That that's the kind of stuff that I've noticed. Like if the restaurant smells like food, it all depends on where the kitchen is, obviously, right? Yeah. Um but then the other one, like this is one that always kills me. If the server or the bartender is wearing too much cologne or perfume, it's like I did not like. I came here to enjoy the food, to enjoy the dining experience, and part of the dining experience is like taking in the way something smells. It yeah. likes you know, it affects the way that like my beer or wine tastes because Absolutely. I can smell your shitty grandma rose perfume that you're wearing because <laughs> you're a hipster and you wore flannel and black rim glasses on your way to work. <laughs> it's a very specific example. Yes. I know. I know you're. I think you're speaking to one person specifically. <laughs> uh, how about clean floors? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, that being said, that is direct, though my concerns about that type of thing are directly tied to the uh, caliber of place that I'm going to. If right. I'm walking into Five Guys Burgers, I realize that people are eating peanuts and throwing that stuff on the ground. I'm, I, that's I, to be expected. I expect that stuff, right? You know, what's the place in Chico that's got all the sawdust and peanut shells on the ground? Fuck. Uh, God, I've been to the uh, tackle box. Yeah, so, you know, that kind of thing I'm not really that worried about. But if I'm going to, like, you know, Dry Creek Kitchen... You know, right. or Charlie Palmer Steak, or one of these places, right? Um, you know, that place better be immaculate. Oh, because, absolutely. Because what I'm ultimately paying for with a place like that is like I can get, you know, you know, lamb chops or pork belly or whatever we're eating, you know, 
grilled cheese. I don't know, whatever. I can get, I can make that myself, right? So I'm in, I'm paying somebody to make it for me. But like, you get to a certain price threshold where it's like I'm also paying for all of the rest of these amenities. Right, 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 right. And that makes so, sense. so if the floor is a mess, and now don't get me wrong, like you walk into like the average Chili's, like no, the floor should be clean in there too. But like my, what I'm getting is that like my level of like disgust is the wrong word. My level of like your annoying. expectations. Yeah, your my expectations, expectations shift. That's, right, expectations are the right word. I think that's right too. You know, it's funny. I don't notice the floors until I've already sat down. Oh, I don't, really? I don't ever. I rarely look at them uh, in the uh, in the context of walking into a place because I'm always I'm kind of scanning the room to see quality of tables, things like that. But then as I sit down in a certain, if I look and there's coasters under that table, you know, like not on the floor holding the propping the table yeah. up, things like that, I start to notice. And then I start noticing the, you know, the. Um, the seats, if the if the seat covering is, is thrashed, worn, torn, whatever, I start noticing that stuff real quick. Right. Um, another thing I notice too are uh, grout lines, because grout lines can get <laughs> disgusting really quickly. Oh, I thought you were talking about whether or not they're straight. Because oh, that's no. the case. Do not look at the ones that can smoke. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, this one is kind of confusing for to me for the title. This okay. Come on. The super special part of a chicken. The what? That super hyphen special part of a chicken. I don't even know what that is. What are they talking about? Uh, yeah. The beak? The, um, the tiny pieces of dark meat inside the chicken's backbone. A side of the chicken's backbone. So it says, one thing I absolutely love is a really good chicken dish at a restaurant, whether it be a whole roasted chicken or a half grilled. They take the chicken off the carcass. I always notice if they include the oyster muscle when they fabricate. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which that's the dark pieces of meat aside the chicken backbone. Most of the places these days are not doing bone and chickens. No. Like where was the, when was the last place last time you ate somewhere that didn't break the chicken all the way down? Yeah, it's been a long time. Like we do a half a chicken at at Kin, uh, and it's awesome. But like we get this one, including for my business partner, it's really hard to eat. It's not really hard to eat. You just don't know how to use a fork and a knife. But that's like an av- that's like a real thing. Like people don't know right. what to do with it because they can't really pick it up, right? No, like you can't not, pick yeah. up and eat a half a chicken. I mean, you could, I guess. But um, so most places yeah. are breaking it down. Like the backbones aren't really included in a lot of that stuff. Right. And if you are getting like a whole chicken, it's usually broken down into the pieces. Right. Right. The breast has been cut in half. You've got the thigh and the leg, that kind of thing. So I understand what he's really talking about. There is like if they're including the best parts. Like they're fully taking advantage of the product, right. so it's a it's about the oyster, but it's that's not really about the oyster. You know what I mean? You yeah. understand what I'm getting at? No, I do. Uh, last but not least, plates. Yes, if the plates, like especially if they're white plates, uh, if they have like they need to be bleached because they've just been torn up by you know fork and knife cutting, and they've got like the black sort of like that black like dulling. Yeah. Like I can't stand that crap. Or chipped plates. Like, if you, you're going to send me a chipped plate, if the bottom little collar is chipped, like, I, I'll notice that because I'll probably pick up my plate to hand to the server at some point. Right. But, like, if you hand me the one where the, like, the actual rim of the plate is chipped, it's like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? Oh, yeah. Or, this is my other favorite one. This one really kills me. Uh, we both order a burger, the same cheeseburger, the same fries, different plates. Oh, yeah. Now... <laughs> That's a good one. Now, if that's kind of the thing, which is a little bit of a trend right now, like mismatching sort of like, you know, the hodgepodge swap meat, you know, garage sale hodgepodge of meats type stuff uh, or hodgepodge of plates. That's fine. But like if you're 
if you're, you know, typically not putting it on the oval plate, but that's the only one you got, that kills me too. Because you're understaffed or you didn't buy enough or whatever. Like, you know, you're you're taking like you're taking uh my focus away from what's on the plate to the fact that the plate is there. Yeah. This is just like if you have two be if I order a you know, an IPA from a bar and I really like it and I order a second one and it comes out in a different glass. We've talked about this before on the show. Yes. It's like, oh are you what's what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what about the uh what about when you have too large or too small of a plate for your for for what's coming out. The too large of a plate thing doesn't bother me because there is some semblance of like art in terms of like negative space. Right. So you put together this beautifully composed you what, know, if beautifully- a, what if I'm at a diner and they're just slinging hash. They don't really care about the art part of it, but it's on way too big of a plate. Even then, even okay then I'm not it? I'm not really worried about that. The too small of a plate thing though does kill me because it's like I'm not eating that once it hits a table. Right? Yeah. Because if we're in a, we're in a situation where like you can't keep the plate situation, like the plate shit focused up. You're not wiping that table out properly. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're going to. That's uh, that's interesting. I do uh, I do like uh, like new and kind of I want to say it funky. You know, we're talking about how the cool thing of like the hodgepodge of, of glassware. Like, I give that away to like you know like breakfast joints and coffee houses and stuff like that, where you've got a different kind of mug. You right. Know, like, hey, this one says you know world's best dad, and this one's a picture of a cow jumping over the fence. That kind of stuff is totally acceptable to me, but I don't like the mis- mix mash. Of stuff to on purpose to try to be cool. I just don't. I, I think it completely takes away from from what you're doing on the on the in the kitchen. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. So yeah, I agree. Most of the stuff is like I said. It's more if you've eaten out, you know, three times in the last month, you're gonna probably notice all these things. It's just it's something that people. What to the to the degree though? I think is a, a separation is I might you know someone like me who notices coasters under a table versus you who notices. The coasters under the table, the stressed out server, and the kitchen in the weeds. Which I will say this about the coasters under the table thing. Like, though the feet on tables come off all the it's time. It's the worst. You would think by now there would be better engineer for an affordable price, a better engineered foot for a table. You would think. But it's because so Or to make them all universal so that if you one gets but falls it's, out. The thing is it's not the table bases are so small. Like the bases yeah. for the size of tables typically are so small because you can't do it like the table we're sitting at now. You can't have four legs out there because if you try and put two tables together, like it doesn't, right? Like it limits your space. So it's better to have the bases that are there. And then you're dealing, typically, restaurants, they beg, borrow, and steal to get this shit built. Believe me, the number of leaks I have on my fucking roof in Healdsburg, I know what that's like. Like you beg, borrow, and steal to get this stuff open. So you do what you can to get the floors finished. And you're not going to go over that thing with a laser to make sure that it's straight and evenly Absolutely. evenly laid and whatnot. And so you've got all kinds of things working against you there. Plus, you have asshole customers that like to pick. You see it at bars all the time. I see it when, when you have paper coasters and guys will start fidgeting. If they don't have the paper coaster to tear up, they're going to start picking at the bar top or underneath the chair or on the chair or on something else. They have yeah. these weird, quirky, nervous things. It's actually funny that you say that. So we're going to cans and mo- like we're serving cans in two out of our three places. Beer, canned beers, I should say. Um, as opposed to like going to the bottles and whatnot. Uh, and it used to be like you used to watch people pick the labels off bottles oh, yeah. all the time, right? Like we don't see that anymore. And so, yeah, we see a lot more like sort of torn up like coasters and more so at the pub than anywhere. It's so weird. It's such a weird thing to me to do that, but whatever. It's that's another, inherent, that's another list. Inherent ADD in all of us, I guess. There we go. Um, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's line up our next segment, the shit tweet of the week. Music now.
So if you are new to this particular segment, uh, this is the newest iteration of our shit tweet of the week. It evolves much like us. You can never, never, just, you can't, you can't stop. It used to drag its knuckles. Now it stands upright. <laughs> uh, although based on what some of these people have written, it's a knuckle dragger. You might think otherwise. So what we did originally is it started with Lowell Cohn, sports writer for the Santa Rosa Press Democrat, who now is retired thanks to our shit tweet of the week. The digital medium is hotter than I thought. Uh, They're and, relentless and cruel. And since he's retired, he's been tweeting less and less, thank God. Uh, but that does not mean that there is a uh, shortage of shitty Twitter users out there. Um, there are at, mostly, the, these are all going to mostly be, I should say they're not all, these are mostly going to be sports related. But if I find one that really gets me, I'm looking at you, Kanye West. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and use it here. What I've done is I've picked three tweets. We're going to pick the one that is the shittiest of the week. Most of what I have found is that sports writers, uh, in an effort to be a part of the hot take machine, just write the most ridiculous things. They're also trying to be comedians, which I find extremely offensive. Right. Um, maybe offensive is a bad word. Extremely ludicrous. I get that there's this fun, playful side of, of sports journalism now, but not everyone needs to do it. And you can tell the people who are who don't have it and someone's writing a joke for them, you can see it instantly. Yeah, and I also like they're trying to they're trying to like fight fire with fire because if they write something silly, then Twitter's going to roast them for it. And so if they just try and do something sarcastic or funny right out the gate, then they feel like they're going to like sort of dilute some of the some of the the roasting power. I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't know why everyone's so afraid to get roasted. I, do, I mean, fuck if I do if I do something stupid, like I've done many, pretty much every single episode, so I've done it forty times with us. Um, yeah, you know what? I, I, I understand, like, for us, it's not that big of a deal. There's, like, 11 people that listen to the show. But, like, if you are the representative for a major shoe brand, for example, right, and your newest shoe line gets destroyed on Twitter, I can see where that could be a real problem, <laughs> right? So, because you're, like... Point, counterpoint. You're, <laughs> you know, like, if you're a writer and you're trying to hit it up, you know, you're trying to do your thing on Twitter and people are engaging, that's the whole point, is you're trying to get engagement from readers. Right. Where, like... Sure, the engagement you want if you're a shoe brand is the register. You want the ring right, to register. Exactly. You, care, you can care less how many people retweet it. You want the bottom line to soar. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I guess, you know, there is the idea that, like, no exposure is bad exposure. But I'd argue that that's not necessarily true. <laughs> so without further ado, uh, I've picked three tweets this week. All okay. of them are sports writers, which is kind of why I gave that intro. Nice. Uh, number Keep one. Keep in mind, I've been staying off Twitter. That's the num- rule number one of this game. Well, you don't I have to can't. do you don't have to do that anymore because we're not picking the fake one anymore. That's true. There's two, so you could do that because, quite frankly, there is so much to be had. <laughs> we're yeah. gonna there could probably use a, a couple sets of eyes. Which reminds <laughs> me, if you are listening and you do see a tweet that you think fits on our shit tweet of the week segment, please feel free to reach out to us. Sportsmeetspear at gmail.com. Tweet us. Hit us up on Facebook. Uh, send us a carrier pigeon, perhaps. <laughs> uh, whatever you like. Just tell a carrier pigeon Sportsmeetspear, and they'll know exactly where to go. <laughs> Um, because they all know, if you just see the windshield of my truck, even in the rain, that pigeons fucking know. Um, All right, number one, Jason Whitlock. He's on uh, Fox Sports 1 with uh, Colin Cowherd. Uh, He is generally a big, fat douchebag. Here is his tweet. In 2004, 5, 6, or 7, there was a very popular song by Timberlake or someone like him about getting revenge on a girlfriend. Help, please? (laughs) Now... That's an improper use of Twitter. Correct. Because there is Spotify or... Yeah, Shazam. You could do a number of things. Yeah. iTunes. 
I promise that that guy's still using iTunes. Or I can tell based on the way he's using Twitter that he's still using Kazaa or LimeWire oh, <laughs> to try man. and download his music. Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, Jason Whitlock, at Jason Whitlock from Fox, Fox Sports 1. Uh, he is. I, he and Colin Cowherd both, I think, are clowns. The hot take machines. Yeah. And, you know, anything for a That's rise. a lot like uh, when, when uh, Mr. Cohn in our previous segment, didn't know the how severe the injury of Derek Carr was. You're at the game. Yeah. And you, th- there's no sound. You're the, the reporter. Yeah. You're the reporter. Report. Yes. <laughs> do do what you get paid to do. Uh, Skip Bayless is our tweet of the week. Oh, number two. goodness. Good old Skippy. Uh, now, granted, uh, this is at this stage, we've been through the All-Star game and whatnot. So this is a little bit dated. But uh, here we go. Love it. Westbrook going at Durant, repeatedly scoring on him, yelling at KD, I'm coming, I'm coming. He sure is. Skip Bayless, they were down 18 points. Don't you have like a Tony Romo tweet or like a Tim Tebow tweet that you should be writing right there? <laughs> like maybe don't, I don't know that I've ever heard you t- say anything salient about basketball, so maybe let's not talk about basketball. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's pointless. That's pointless. They were down 18 points. It's not even pointless. It's, they were down 18. Yeah. He was not coming at that point. Right. He was not. He was down 18 points. Jesus Christ. Uh, number three, Lowell Cohn. He, he makes it. He makes it. He, makes, he, he makes, makes a mention this week. Because it sticks with what, based on two out of the three tweets, is a music theme this week. <laughs> Listening to CD, the Paragons meet the Jesters. Remember that old doo-wop album? No, because it's fucking Twitter, and the people who listen to it are mostly dead. <laughs> well, it's Twitter. People who use Twitter on a regular basis don't even own CDs, Lowell. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I can understand. Do you remember that old doo-wop album? Yeah, people could check that out on Spotify or whatever. But, like, the people who had to hand-crank their phonographs to yeah. listen to that shit are typically not tweeting anymore, man. And Get what- it together. Again, what the fuck does that have to do with anything? No, that's zero engagement. What are you? There's, there's. You're not writing a piece on it. You're just. It's like saying, you know, like shopping at Kohl's. Decided uh, to get a yellow rain jacket. Right, and it, listen, that's mostly what like non-professional social media usage is. Right? right, a picture of food, a sharing of somebody else's article or picture or meme, or you know, writing like the mundane details of your day. Right, man, I clipped a lot of toenails today. <laughs> You know, clipping a toenail and it hit me in the eye. Like, people <laughs> write that crap all the time. And now that he's retired, that's the kind of shit that he's going to write. But it's Ugh. like, my feeling for bringing it up is like, or my reasons for bringing it up is just the, the doo-wop album, man? Really? Like, <laughs> come on, dude. And no, I don't, I'm, I know music. I, my mom used to listen to doo-wop stuff all the time. I have no idea who that is. You're great. Neither, neither do I. So. And I'm big into doo-wop. So which one of these things, which one of these tweets uh, do you feel is the worst? Should I read them again? or are we No, just- no, no. I, I will go back to Whitlock on this one uh, because <laughs> unlike Lolcone, who, who dated himself with the, with the reference, that's fine, and Bayless, who made a, a, a really shitty observation, but you know what? It's what he does. Him and Shannon Sharp just like, the, they got them because they're the two loudest asshats on television just to argue back and forth about everything. Yeah. I don't know. I, I Stephen A. Smith is right there, man. I, I, but every once in a while, like at one out of every 15 or 20 things Stephen A. Smith says, I can get behind. And I'm like, yeah, you know, he makes a good he makes a good point. Not all of his his statements I find fascinating, but every once in a while he has a gem. Uh, the Whitlock one, though, is so if you're able to type into your phone onto Twitter, 
you're able to type into Google search. <laughs> yeah. It's literally, you could type that same. In fact, can you highlight that and put it into Google and see what comes out? Uh, Was I, it a Justin Timberlake song about a girl? Yeah, I Boom. could. I don't really feel like typing it. Oh, okay. And since I wrote it down on my... Co- oh, God, that like maybe copy and paste it. I guarantee if you type that into Google search, probably within five lines, you'll get what you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. You'll get a YouTube video for that's been seen two million times or whatever. That's just it's a silly use. You're using technology that you could be using to search for the song and not bother anybody. Yeah, I. Uh, what he should have done is typed in "search for the song," listened to the song, and then said why he needed to hear the song. Well, here's that's the, the important part. Well, here's the thing: you're breaking it down on like just a purely literal level, right? Which yes. is totally fine. That's what the majority of people are doing. I look at it. I'd take it. I, I, I'd like to direct your eyes one step further to this. Okay. Their success on Twitter in the eyes of their employer is their level of engagement, right? So if he gets a thousand people to say, uh, you know, Cry Me a River by Justin Timberlake really quickly, that's a thousand hits or a thousand answers or a thousand retweets or whatever, right? right? That's a thousand engagements. It looks like he's doing something. <laughs> like it's not like a, that's not a conversation starter. Right, that's just such a, a phone-in, lazy man's way to get engagement on Twitter. Right, but I mean, I know they're look. If their employers are looking at their engagement, they're also looking at the content. They, have I don't be. know, man. If you, we're gonna find out that I, based on some of the tweets that are be coming in the in the next few weeks, I don't think they're looking at what their con- what the content is either. And if you've listened to the, some of these guys on their shows, they don't give a shit about what the content is. We just want people to see, get their eyes on the network. Right. Oh my goodness. So. Well, I'm going with Whitlock. Who are you going with? I'm going with Whitlock too. Okay, because for both reasons, it's a lame one, and also it's like you're just you're phoning it in, dude. You are phoning it in. All right, Mr. Whitlock, thank you. Congratulations, you have been selected as Sports Meets Beer Shit Tweet of the Week. Anyways, thanks for checking out the episode uh, again. Episode forty, number three. Uh, if you get a chance. Uh, please rate our show, uh, retweet our show if you can, um, share our show, talk about our show, like the show, visit us on any of our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, untapped, sportsmeetsbeer at gmail.com. That's M-E-A-T-S, like the protein, sportsmeetsbeer at gmail.com. We're done.